Hi everyone and welcome to the tribe. I am Annika, your host, and it's a Tuesday, not a Monday, and I'm sorry for being late. I was going to record my podcast yesterday and then was at the airport, and it turns out it's not very easy to record a podcast at O'Hare International Airport, but here we are. Um, I And also my computer is like humming along like it's a spaceship, so if you get that fun background noise, you're welcome. Um, okay, so... So this week's podcast is how to meditate. And before I jump anywhere into this and actually start talking about how to meditate, I want to put a like frame of reference on this whole conversation. And I actually saw this out of um, Brian Andreas, who's this wonderful Instagram artist, as, as we have now in 2018. Um, who made a post or something and it made a reference to meditation and like, how do we even know how to do that? What even is meditation anyways? And then received a fair amount of criticism from folks about, um, you know, their meditation is actually a really culturally sensitive topic. And it's something that is a part of the, the traditions and the groundings of a number of different cultures and religions. Um, and that it is not, it's not something to take lightly and that it's actually, um, there are a number of sensitivities around particularly yoga and meditation being appropriated into Western culture. So I wanted to, I wanted to name that dynamic here. Um, I want to be very clear that I'm speaking not as a scholar, um, on meditation and I'm not speaking as a religious leader on meditation, but I am sharing stories of my own experience with a thing called meditation and, um, my, my experience over the past, I guess, seven years of my life and hoping that they help you. So I'm actually not going to be giving a lot of prescriptive advice on what is meditation, um, or even how to meditate, even though that's the name of this episode. Um, but we're going to talk more about my story with meditation and, and what it can look like and, um, and, and try to be a bit more sensitive around it in that way and, and ground it in experience as opposed to, um, prescription or recommendation. So, so meditation. Hi. Yay. Me and meditation, man, I've had this meditation practice off and on for the past seven years and it's been really magical. Um, and also frustrating and weird. So gosh, I don't know all the answers. The first time I meditated was probably at church as a child. Um, I would sit in the pews and listen to the music and close my eyes and feel my whole body covered in goosebumps. And was this meditation? I don't know. But it was a way of connecting to something other than my brain when I would sit down. And, and again, I just feel my whole body covered in goosebumps and just be there. And, it, and I knew that I was connecting to something other than my mind or my brain or my thoughts. Um, And that was really, that was a really kind of magical gift. I think that we can get really all out of sorts about what is meditation and what it has to look a certain way. Um, and like in our, in our own experiences and, you know, all these different things and, and that can prevent us from going on explorations around it. So I'm just curious if you had ever similar experiences where you're like, wow, I connected to something other than my brain in that day. Um, so then when, so then, you know, I grew up ish <laughs> and when I started on my quote unquote spiritual journey, which I have gone over in previous podcasts, um, it seemed like all signs were pointing to meditation. Like 
all the folks who I considered to be my teachers not only meditated every day, but claimed that meditation was one of the transformational actions or tools that brought them to a freer and deeper and more vibrant life. So it seemed like everywhere I went, it was like, meditate, you have to meditate. And it's like, you go, you go online and you read the articles of like, what do successful people do? They meditate. And so you're like, I I would assume many of you probably listening to this might have a similar experience where you know, like, okay, cool. Um, I think I'm supposed to meditate. And, and so, and I had a really similar experience and side note, I'm a high energy overthinking, high energy overthinking extrovert. So the notion of meditation not only was ubiquitous, but it intimidated me. I did not find it easy to quiet my mind. And sometimes I felt, honestly, I I felt afraid of what I would find down in there when I turned down the volume. Um, getting involved with meditation felt like kind of risky almost in a way. Um, and yet, um, again, still, as I'm sure many of you hear or even feel meditation is like required reading if you want to live a great life. And so I tried a few different things when I was starting out. Um, I don't really particularly remember my first meditation. Um, I know I did Headspace, which is an app, a meditation app, and that didn't, it didn't really work well for me. I didn't stick with it for long. Um, I tried like going to YouTube and putting on ocean sounds and sitting and quietly, you know, breathing to that. And I did random guided meditations on YouTube. I found this crazy, um, really intense voiced Australian woman who led this, I still remember it so distinctly, this chakra meditation. And I laughed the entire way through it. It was just like nothing, nothing really clicked for me. Um, until I found Gabrielle Bernstein's meditations and I'll link to them. I'll link to everything that I'm talking about. They, these meditations just unlocked something in me. Um, I listened to an amazing lecture that she gave about different kinds of meditations and, oh my God, there's a dog downstairs that's like wailing. I really hope you can hear this. I'm so sorry. Oh my God. Y'all, I literally had to pause because this dog was so loud. Okay. Anyways, sorry. Where were we? Gabby Bernstein's meditations. Um, oh, I listened to this amazing lecture and she talked about different kinds of meditation. So she was walking through, walking the audience through both talking about them and then like actually having the audience meditate through them. So we got to do four or five different kinds of meditations over the course of the two hours. And I literally wept during these meditations. They, they felt like they were cleaning my soul. Um, like, like it was like a cannonball into water when your hair is on fire. Um, they just opened something up in me. Um, oh man, so good. So why, why did this work for me and not other meditations, right? Like what, what was it about this? And I think, I think it comes down to a few things. One being the purpose. I realized in that moment that I like to meditate with intention. Um, I like to meditate towards something. I'm not solving any problems in meditations by any means. Like I'm not showing up and going through a bunch of mental models, like sitting down and closing my eyes and going through mental models. But 
I, I, so I'm not solving my problems, but I guess I'm, if I show up with the intention of surrendering them, it's in a direction of surrendering my problems. So I'm meditating towards something. There is an intention about it, whether it's an intention for forgiveness or an intention for healing or an intention for self-love or whatever it is. Suddenly the whole meditation takes on new meaning to me. Uh, so it's really, for me, one part is that it comes down to the purpose. Another is the type. Um, it turns out for me that meditations with overtly spiritual and or God-linked words work better for me than meditations that are about just breathing. Um, it turns out meditations are my time with the divine within me. Um, hearing this in the guidance of a guided meditation, and I also prefer guided meditations usually. Well, at least I traditionally did and now sort of have listened to all of them so many times that I've memorized them. But um I guess hearing that in the guidance helps me find meaning in the experience. And if I sit down to a meditation that's, you know, talking about breathing and listening to your your body and, and quieting your thoughts, I kind of go nuts. Um, and so the more that a meditation can have a reminder of divinity, um, using the word, using the universe or God or whatever, the more meaningful it is to me personally. And the more that I'm going to, I guess, kind of get out of it. Um, so that's a second kind of aspect of it. And then the last one is music. Oh my gosh. Kundalini yoga music is my actual jam. I love it so much. I listen to it nonstop. Um, uh, those of you who follow me on Spotify can see it's like every other song. It's like nice for what? And then it's like Harji, like some weird Kundalini um, uh, kooky kundalini song. So, uh, the music is really helpful to me as opposed to meditating in silence or with other sounds. And so I'm not saying this to say that y'all are the same as me and should be doing the same kinds of things as me when you meditate, but to say that there are a lot of things, um, that can go into making a meditation work or not work for you or click or not click with you. And that if you have only ever done headspace, and it's not working for you, then that doesn't mean that meditation itself doesn't work for you, but maybe that you have to do a bit more exploring um, and and figuring out what actually does work for you. So what so then after after I kind of had that initial meditation experience, I listened to those meditations so many times, like I said, like I could practically recite the guidance. And now it's kind of what I do in my head. I have now been meditating on and off for seven years and I work mostly now with kundalini meditations. And so often that means that it's um, a specific mantra or song um, and there's nobody talking or guiding me through it, but that I have now listened and been guided through so many meditations that that guidance is somewhat in my head and or that I have developed such a relationship with the divinity within me, with my soul within me, whatever, that it now comes through and speaks to me in meditations. I don't know which it is. I don't care. It's pretty groovy. So I've been a student of Kundalini Yoga, um, not a teacher, a student, uh, since 2012. So I've gotten to know the different mantras and their purposes. There are many, many, many different mantras. So when I need healing, I listen to Ramadasa. When I need to surrender, I listen to Haruji. When I, I, I have a whole 
playlists that I've made of tons of different uh, great kundalini songs and meditations. And if you find one that you like, Google the meaning. Or you can Google kundalini meditation for protection. And then, oh, and then you look for that that kind of a song. Um, and I, and I love that. I love having sort of an intention or meaning around each of the songs that I listen to. I think, so that's what I do mostly now is I'll sit down in the morning or whenever and turn on a song and either sing along with the mantra or recite it in my mind and just let my whole brain kind of shut itself down. Um, I think sometimes I'll also go on a 40 day meditation commitment. Um, that's also a, a typical practice in the kundalini yoga tradition. Um, the, so it means that I'm going to commit to this, doing this specific meditation every day for 40 days and see what happens. So one of them that I've done, which I've done multiple times and I love is the kundalini meditation to prevent an irrationality. And it is so good and so helpful. I made a playlist specifically for that as well. So I'll link to that too. Um, but doing it in a container of doing like a 40 day meditation, it's a, it's a container that gives me a lot of comfort. So I know I'm just doing this for 40 days. I don't have to commit to meditating every day for the rest of my life, but I know that I'm just curious what, what would happen if I did this one thing for 40 days? Um, and I, you know, I'm pretty well disciplined so I can pretty much do anything I want to for 40 days. Um, so let's see. Yeah. So I do Kundalini. I sometimes do 40 days. Oh, and then I don't meditate necessarily every day, but I met, I do end up meditating at least every other day. So some people swear by, they meditate 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes in the evening and they have to do it every day. Some people don't, I don't, I don't subscribe to a particular camp on that. And there will be many other people who say, if you don't do it every day, then you're missing out on a huge opportunity. And I totally see that and agree with that. But the way that my life is and goes and I don't always meditate every day. And instead of choosing to get angry at myself with that, I roll with it. Um, I, I would say if I do, I usually at the very least before bed, or I'll take a five minute pause during yoga and meditate during yoga. So, so that's sort of me and my meditation world. Um, what exactly is meditation, right? Like, what, what is meditation and what isn't meditation? So to me, in my, in my opinion, meditation is any time my eyes are closed, I am not talking, I am not sleeping, and I am making an effort to not be swept away in my thoughts. So again, anytime my eyes are closed, I'm not talking, I'm not sleeping, and I'm, not, and I'm making an effort to not be swept away in my thoughts. I think meditation, as I found when I was a child in church, is deliberate time to connect with something other than my own brain. Um, for some people, this means connecting to God within. For some people, this means connecting to their heart. Um, for some people, this just means connecting to the quiet within them. But it's something to me, it's a time when I'm connecting to something other than my brain deliberately. Um, I think for some people, meditation is observing. Um, meditation is observing your thoughts, being sort of a non-judgmental witness and not getting attached to them. So imagine there's a great image that Liz Gilbert talks about in Eat, Pray, Love in the book. And it's sort of, it's this idea. So she says like, essentially imagine that you're on a kayak. Um, actually I probably made up the kayak part, but some kind of boat on a particularly like wavy river or body of water. Um, 
your non-brain you, aka your soul, your the truest part about you, the divinity within you, um, the quiet within you, your heart, whatever you want to call it, your non-brain, the non-brain part of you is the kayak, okay? Like that's you in the kayak, is your soul or whatever. All of your thoughts are things floating past you in the water. So if we think of meditation as a practice of observing, it's knowing I am the kayak. That fish, which is a thought about my body or whatever, is not me. Or like that heap of floating plastic over there is a thought. It's not me. I am the kayak. So it's a time where we separate and we distinguish between ourselves and our thoughts. Again, coming back to this idea of connecting with something other than your brain. Recognizing you are not your thoughts. <laughs> important, important idea, right? Um, so that's sort of meditation. What is meditation? Meditation as observation, right? Then my other favorite part of meditation is meditation as listening. Once we begin to distinguish between ourselves, um, our, our, our kayak, kayak self, um, and the, the fish or the floating plastic or whatever below or around us, we, we know what to listen to. Once we be able, once we can see, oh, I am the kayak. I am not the fish that's floating in the water next to me. We get a better idea of, oh, so if I don't have to listen to that fish in the water, then maybe there's something else that will speak to me. Um, I, for me, like if I'm in the kayak, it's like someone comes over. So I guess before I get there, um, I'm working off of this. There's a, a, I don't know who it could be attributed to, but an idea that if prayer is talking. So if when we pray, we are talking to God, then meditation is listening. So it's an opportunity for us to listen. Um, so for me, if I'm in the kayak, it's like someone comes over a loudspeaker and drops wisdom on me and it, and it's never in the form of a floating heap of plastic. A lot of our thoughts are like truly just plastic. Um, but meditation is listening. Meditation is a space for me to get clear on, okay, I'm going to separate myself for a moment, like kooky thoughts, and I'm going to be me in the kayak and then I'm just going to shut up and I'm going to listen. And again, it's like someone comes over this like loudspeaker and is here's here's what you need to know here's the way um and i think that's another really powerful aspect of meditation is that is that um listening as well so meditation can be a lot of things right but are there things that meditation isn't so in my opinion um there are a couple of things that i don't consider to be meditation at least for myself Again, totally just speaking from my own experience for myself. Um, in my opinion, yoga is not meditation. Um, to me, yoga is movement that is married to breath, and that is to aid us in creating union. Um, yoga can be very meditative, but it's an opportunity for us to listen to the wisdom of our bodies, not necessarily an opportunity for us to listen to the wisdom of our souls. Okay, does this make sense? Yoga can be meditative, but it's about more about listening and connecting, creating union with your body, and to me, less about creating union and quiet and listening with my soul. Okay, so 
like if you think about in a yoga class, if you have Shavasana, which is when you lay down and the teacher may turn, dim the lights and you get five to 10 minutes to lay there and to be there. That's meditation. That's connecting with your soul. The rest of the yoga class, I think yoga to me is a great tool to guide me into a wonderful meditation. Um, but I wouldn't consider for myself yoga explicitly a meditation. Um, another thing that isn't meditation in my opinion is reading. Um, I love reading, but then again, but like, again, like my definition, um, by my definition of what meditation is, reading would be a tool to stimulate the brain. So there are many things that we can read and just feel our souls activated and wow, that reflection and like, I'm really listening. But again, it's, it's listening through stimulation of your brain as you're reading, as opposed to getting quiet and listening through the soul. So again, similar world, not exactly meditation. And finally, sleeping. I love sleep also. Oh my gosh. But um, meditation is more meant to unite the conscious and the unconscious. Um, Not so much. I think a lot of really marvelous things can happen when you sleep, but I don't think meditation is one of them. If if I'm unconscious, I'm not listening um, in a conscious way, I guess. That's sort of the most obvious sentence that anybody's ever said. But Hopefully you kind of get the picture. Um, so, right, meditation. It can be a lot of things. It's probably not other things, right? I'm not, like I said at the beginning, I'm not actually going to tell you how to meditate. Um, but I will give you, as we wrap up, some examples of what meditation might look like and then link you to all kinds of meditation resources. So, meditation might look like sitting quietly on the floor with no music or guidance and observing your breath or on a meditation pillow or wherever. It might just look like sitting quietly and observing your breath. You don't have to have any other stimuli. You don't have to have any mantra, anything like that. Meditation also might look like a guided meditation about the chakras. Meditation might look like a guided meditation about the breath. Meditation might be actually a specific meditation technique that you have learned, like TM, which is transcendental meditation, or Tonglen, or Vipassana. It might be something that you have gone somewhere and that you've learned a specific meditation technique. Um, Meditation might look like singing or chanting or speaking a specific mantra um, with or without music. That's what I most frequently do. Um, And meditation also might look like putting your hands in a specific mudra. Um, So that's like if you take, wherever you are listening to this, if you take your thumb and your um, pointer finger and you bring them together, um, congratulate, and you leave the rest of your fingers straight, congratulations, you've now just formed Gion Mudra. So sometimes there are different um, mudras that we put our hands into and that can support our meditation. Um, at the end of the day, only you can know what your meditation is. And the only way that you can know what your meditation is, is to try to meditate right? So you won't become fluent in French by only reading a lot lot about how to speak French. You only learn to become fluent in French by actually physically speaking the language. Um, It's something that if you want to get engaged in, make time for it. Try things. Don't, Don't be discouraged. If one thing doesn't work, then that wasn't your thing. Move on. This is your journey, right? It's just as much about the journey of exploring and learning different kinds of things. Who knows? You might try a type of meditation that really doesn't work for you, but then three weeks down the road, a friend of yours comes to you and says, hey, I'm kind of interested in trying meditation. Where should I start? You recommend that kind, and then it's the kind of meditation they needed, and 
all that needed to happen was you to try it and recommend it to them. And you just like, that just changed their life. You don't know. So if you hit a dead end, okay, cool. Retrace your steps and let's find another one. Um, I obviously can recommend a million Kundalini meditations until the end of time. But for some of you, you're going to listen to them and be like, this is hokey and weird and I'm not into it. And to that I say, full respect, I salute thee. You know, uh, we're all very different and we have our own approaches to it. And um, the my real advice is like, if you want to learn how to meditate, you, you just have to meditate. <laughs> like, stop theorizing. Stop listening to podcasts. I mean, listen to this podcast. But like, just try meditating. And then if it doesn't, quote unquote, work, consider that maybe there's another way for you to try for it to click. Um, and also I'll end on this. Not every meditation is going to feel like a transcendental experience. Not every meditation is going to feel like, wow, my life has been transformed by this moment. Um, I, after those first four meditations that I listened to and I wept, I've probably only cried and you know, 10 more meditations over the course of the past seven years. So not every meditation is going to be like, holy crap, this just changed my whole life. Um, sometimes the point of the meditation was to get through it without stopping. And in that case, it's a huge win. Um, so those are my thoughts on how to meditate again, grounded in my own experience, just speaking for me. Um, and as always, I'm always happy to hear what your experiences have been and whatever questions you have and, and all of that. And be sure to check out all the links because I'll be making sure that you are, you are all connected in that way. Um, so take care of one another. Take care of yourselves. And I will see you next week.